Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind podcast episode 58, climbing through them now. Today, a fabulous episode, where to find development sites that stack up. It seems to be something that people are asking right now. My guest this week is Bob Anderson, again. Bob's going to uh, empower you with a lot of information. So let's jump into this exciting episode, episode 58 with Bob Anderson. Welcome to episode 58 Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton, where to find property development sites that stack up with Bob. Thanks for coming and joining me, Bob. Oh, I love it. Love it. I always love going to your podcast. You have to walk so far. Mm. Remember we get asked if we're a couple often. Yes, we are. <laughs> they said, yeah, I've sorry, had a few sorry, people. Sorry, all you ladies out there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's taken. But before we kick off into the podcast, giving away the uh, copy of Property Millionaires Exposed, where quite a few property experts have, well, I don't know if they're all experts, if I'm going to be a bit cheeky, have, have got the reason of their why they believe their particular strategy is the best. This week, we are giving this a copy of this book to Paul Russo. Paul has reached out this weekend, is inquiring about some stuff that we offer. So, Paul, this will be in the mail to you, uh, maybe this afternoon even. All righty, Bob. Yes. Let's talk uh, where to find property development sites that stack up. Yeah, well, we've seen a few of our students jump onto sites in the last few weeks, haven't we? Two, the last two weeks we've had two students, woohoo, <laughs> which is always exciting. Oh, two mentoring students, that's not to say people that have done the yeah. course that we don't know about, but two of our mentoring students in the last two weeks have purchased sites, so that's really exciting. It always, it's always an exciting time, hey, we, we get excited for them. Oh, absolutely, it's like we've found a site, like yes! Because we know it means they're off and they're on their journey. They're on their journey, and we'll be working with them on it anyway, so that's sort of exciting. Yeah. You know? It's sort of like a, a quasi-developer. I can work with, with them. They're the main developer. Yeah, great. So, yeah. Well, we could... Um, where should we start? Well, let's look at why we chose this topic. I, I think that, you know, the general consensus, and mm. there's a lot of feedback, and you hear it around, who's you, and who do you hear it from? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. But we do hear that people are struggling to find sites. So that was the reason that we thought, let's look at where to find them, especially at the moment while the market's a little bit, can be it can be quite difficult because the price of land is expensive and people who are selling us, in some cases, are a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, they're coming back to earth a bit slowly, I yes. think. But yeah, no, there's always that adjustment after a quarter boom. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Bob, what would be, well, you kick off, you go. Well... I always do things this way. Where not to buy? Why don't we start with where, where you might not want to buy? Yes, eliminate, eliminate. Eliminate. Let's yes. eliminate okay. first. So where, what would be your first point of elimination for looking well, at sites that don't it's, stand It's up? low-valued areas. Yes. You know, some people might call them low socioeconomic areas, but look, it's where values are low. It's mm. where house prices are low, uh, if there's townhouses, low-valued low places. Mm. And that's... That's never a happy hunting ground for a developer if you're building product, like if you're building houses or townhouses, let's say. And the reason for that is that if you're built, let's say you've got a particular townhouse design, 
it's it's a two-story, three-bedder, it's, you know, whatever it is, 150 metres. It costs you the exact same amount of money to build that in the most expensive suburb than it does in the cheapest suburb. Mm. What consultants charge, what architects charge and the like, it, 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 they charge exactly the same. They don't charge you on the suburb. So if we've got two identical products, call them townhouses, it costs the same, you know? Money is the same interest rate. GST is still 10%. The only variables at the end of the day are what you pay for the land, the site, and what you can sell it for. All the other costs are fixed. And the problem is that, you know, building construction is a big part of your costs. Mm. And so when you have a low value, it just pushes down on the land value. You've sometimes heard me talk about how valuers value a development site. You know, they start at the sale price. If you start at the sale price and then start deducting off the profit and all your costs, you get to a point where in the low-valued areas, you'd have to get the land so cheaply to actually make a proper profit margin that you can't because it's, it's worth more as a house. So the only way it potentially could work in a, a lower socio area is if you got a massively discounted, almost distressed site situation. Way me. more than distressed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. Almost of, like someone gave it to you. Well, I'm thinking of <laughs> suburb where houses are like about 300 to 350. It's, it's a pretty low area. Um, now, that means if if you bought that as a four pack site, they're about 800 metres. Uh, you pay about 90, 90 to 100 at townhouse site. But if you did that and you built townhouses, you couldn't possibly sell them at a profit because townhouses, new ones, sell for about, you know, well, they don't sell because you, you can't build them. And if you did, you know, they'd probably, if a house is sort of like, an old house is 350, a new townhouse is probably going to be about 380. Uh, and and you, can't, you can't buy land at, at 100,000 and build a townhouse and make a profit and cover all your other costs. It's impossible. Yeah. And I don't, like, I know this, and, and a lot of people listening to the podcast know this, but what Bob did then, he broke down that one piece, the one site, and broke it into four, if you were going to put four on it, and then when he said that's the land value, so each site, the cost of the land for that site would be that much. So that's mm. what you... I know you and I do yeah, this all the time and yeah, it means nothing, but I think some people listening might not get that. No. Yeah. So, so if you bought a, an old house for 350000 mm. let's say it owes you $360,000, you know, a bit of legals and stamps, probably a bit more, takes four townhouses, four into three hundred and sixty is 90000 per townhouse. Mm. Then if you go and spend 300000 and build one, you're already up to 390000 and that's probably all you could sell a new one for. You haven't made any profit, you haven't paid your consultants, you haven't paid your finance, so it won't work. Mm. The only thing that does work sometimes in those lower value areas can be a subdivision, mm. but not just not so much a two or three lot subdivision, a larger one. Mm. Uh, and look, on the rare occasion in the past, I have done them, uh, but uh, generally large ones, like 20 lots and that sort of thing, where you get a large parcel of land, uh, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't make money out of doing a subdivision if you had to buy like five houses to get a larger lot. Yeah. It'd just be a vacant lot probably, maybe a house on you know, a, a hectare or something like that. Uh, if you get it cheap enough, sometimes you can make enough property, uh, enough profit out of a subdivision in those low areas. And sometimes that's people, some people's strategy. So if that's your strategy, that's what you're looking for, you become an expert in that area, you know what you're looking for. Mm. And, and that's not to say that, that that's not a good strategy. Mm. It's the same, it's just looking for the time. Yeah, there'd be yeah. bigger subdivisions that work in those areas. Yeah. I mean, some people buy 
uh, buy in those areas as an investment mm. because housing's cheap. Mm. You know, if it's the sort of bottom of the market in a, in a, in a city, you know, it's that bottom 20% of price ranges mm. some people buy in there. Some people buy in there because they can't afford to buy an investment property at a higher value. Mm. Uh, but as, as markets move up, it drags the bottom up. Yeah, and that pretty much leads to a conversation we had in bed this morning, really. That's pretty tragic that we constantly... Sounds talk, like we're a couple. <laughs> we constantly talk property. We were talking about using... Just somebody rang me yesterday just for some advice, and they were they wanting to know what the, the, the thoughts would be on buying in a, in a cheaper area because it was a you know positively geared. And the difference between, really, you want to play the long, slow game, like what Bob just said, where it will increase in value if you buy an investment property in a lower social area. It's going to slowly over time increase. It'll get dragged up by the, yeah, dragged by up. the, by the good properties going up. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for, you would buy into a high growth area, it wouldn't be in that market. No. But if it's all you can afford, you have to get your hands on some real estate, mm. uh, then you could. The, the yield, your rental as a percentage of the value would be higher, uh, but quite often when your yields are high, your growth's lower. But, but I mean, that, the bottom of the market always gets dragged up. Mm. Uh, but the, it's not the best sector of the market to invest in, mm. but, you know. To investment as an investment, to investment as, mm. as a development. Yeah, you might look at somewhere in the, you know, in the middle of the market or the top half of the middle where mm. there's a good good growth, you know, as a property investment. But look, um, it can still work uh, simply because you buy a product in that area. It's If it's the cheapest product around and the market goes up, it'll drag it up. Yeah, that was for not, investing, not yeah. for developing. No. Anyway, Bob, we've got an advert, so we've got to jump into that right now. Let's do it. At the moment, we have a project available you might like to invest into. It is offering 9% interest with a first mortgage security. That's which rare. Is, it is very rare. So if you are interested in finding out more about this, you can call us on 1300 729 1300 729 or you're welcome to email admin at propertymastermind.com.au. Okay, so we've talked about where not to develop and why. So let's talk about where, where to develop. Mm -hmm. And I tend to break the market up into three sectors. I've got the bottom of the market, like we just talked about, those low-valued areas, and that might take up maybe 30% of the market. And then we've got the top, the top end of the market, the expensive real estate. And I'd say that it'd take up maybe 20% of the market. Mm -hmm. And so we've got that big piece in the middle, what I call the middle of the market, which takes up about 50%. And I'm talking about... Hang on, didn't you say 20 and 20? Did I say 20? If you said 20 and 20, it has to be 50. 60. Oh, whatever. It's around 50 or 60%. Crikey, I don't know if you can hear the noise, but the, it's raining. Hopefully it, it doesn't go through. So yes. bottom of the market, 30%. Mm -hmm. Top of the market, 20 Middle of the market, probably said it wrong, 50%. Right. Maybe you did say it right and I... And, oh, look, and out of that 50%, to me, I break that up into the upper part of the middle and the lower part of the middle. And this is all done off of values, you know, mm -hmm. what property's worth. It could, it could be talking houses, you could be talking townhouses for that matter. Generally, we talk about houses as, as values. So, so the middle of the market is where I've always had success. Mm -hmm. And it's a big piece. As I said, it's 50% of the market. If you think of the top of the middle, so you're talking about maybe half of the 50%, maybe 25% of the market that is the top part of the middle. Now, I can't give you a dollar value for that because it changes everywhere you go. Obviously, if we're talking about you know, parts of Sydney, mm. the middle could be 
more expensive than the top of the market in Brisbane or somewhere. Yes. So you really need to understand your own market. But the best margins that I've made have been in the top part of the middle of the market. The top of the market, that 20%, is, is, is high, they're high values. It can also be a bit volatile up there. Mm. It's not to say, because the top end of the market does work for developing, and, and we know quite a few past mentoring students and students that work in that area, and they do very well. It yeah. just has that little bit more risk to it. It's a specialist area. Yeah, and they do specialise these guys. They've yeah. done very well. So what, what you need to do if you're in that top end of that market, generally, it's, it's not, they're not investors who buy there. Oh, no. So they're owner-occupiers. And they're, they're wealthy. Let's, let's say they're wealthy owner-occupiers. And as a result, they're quite discerning mm. about what they want. And so they tend not to buy off-plan. Mm. They don't like buying off-plan. They want to see the finished product and then they'll buy. In fact, some of them will buy off plan to a degree if they can customise it. Mm. So if you're doing, let's say, some upmarket townhouses uh, in that, that top sector, uh, quite often you'd take it to the market, but you'd leave it open for individuals to customise in interiors. Mm. How do they do that, Bob, with uh, as a developer, is that, is that just like pre-sales at a point and offering pre-sales and, and then saying you can customise from here? Or how does yeah, that so work? so they'd have to sign an off-plan contract. They'd have to pay a substantial, you know, 10% deposit. Mm -hmm. And then from a developer's point of view, some of the internal design needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the development permit, what you do inside that building, where, you know, where you put Rooms walls. and stuff, yeah. They might, they, might, um, they might want a larger ensuite or something, you know. And so the architect would prepare that interior design, the builder would cost it, and as a developer you would then charge them, let's say, extra. Uh, and and I, when you do this, you charge a lot extra. That's from the developer's point of view, because mm. it's, it's a bit of a nuisance to mm. do that. Mm. Have you done many of them? No, because I prefer not to have to customise stuff. Uh, but when I have... Have to deal with people and their problems? <laughs> when I have, I've basically doubled the price. Really? Uh, yeah, if, if it costs me another $80,000 to, to upgrade the internals, I'll charge them one hundred and sixty. and guess what? Mm, they pay it. They pay it. That market just pays. Yeah. And so you do make a, a really good margin on that. And, and the reason that you, you would do it is that the people that buy that exclusive product often want to customise it to their requirements. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, you know, there's plenty of developers who build upmarket product. Mm. But as I said... Generally, if you're building an upmarket product, if people don't have the opportunity to customise it, uh, they want to see the finished product. Mm. Uh, and that might make finance tough. So quite often, if you're doing that market where you're just going to build high-value product, you're not selling off the plan because generally they don't like buying mm. off the plan. Um, you've got to go into it with a fair bit behind you. You've got to have quite a lot, quite a lot of equity right. to okay. do it. And, and that's Very often, interesting that's often the case. Yeah, and in terms of like volatility, when a market goes up in value, it's usually that top sector, that 20% of expensive real estate that takes off first. Mm. But when a market corrects, and we've seen that recently in Sydney or Melbourne, that when a market corrects and prices come back a little bit, it starts off at the top. in that sector. That's where most of the, the fall is initially, and then it can filter down through the other sectors. You know what it reminds me of? Weight loss. 
because when people they say they want to spot reduce right they want mm. to lose weight oh it's just just one part of your body yeah you can't do that so what happens is when you start losing weight it starts from the thinner areas like your face or your and that you don't notice it and you don't notice it as much but it is happening and that mm. you know what i mean you start losing weight in the thinner areas so you, the price starts decreasing in the more expensive areas yep. and by the time you actually it filters down the whole body um yeah that, sorry that's I, an I, I, I'm, I'm a nutritionist i can't help it that's an interesting analogy i've never thought about yeah that. it is well it's the same thing yeah sorry yeah so, Just for the women out there who need to understand this on a... Well, uh, guys need to lose weight too, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah they do. Hmm. So, I'm not saying you. <laughs> not, not publicly, but we know what you say behind my back. So, oh, <laughs> tough dig. <laughs> nice, Bob. Yeah. You've been looking at the creases in my belt and you've been thinking, why has he got three creases in his belt? Is his belt getting tighter or is it getting now, bigger? I noticed you sent through a photo yesterday. Bob was on set in Tamworth doing some uh, rec- advertisement recording and they sent through, some, sent through some photos. And I thought, oh, you're not going to like that one. No. Because I wasn't there to say, hey, just maybe sit up taller and pull your tummy in. Yeah, it's probably a bad one. <laughs> My bad posture photos that don't look yeah. too too good at all. Anyway, sorry, we're I've off just, track. I've just suddenly sat up straight and now having having said that. I'm oh, this is recording from the chest up, so we're fine. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I was just thinking posture, you know. Cause it, oh, you, yes. When you're having fun chatting like that, you tend to sort of start to slump down. <laughs> yeah. so I'm back up again, folks. Yeah, phew. So for those, uh, for those uh, that are listening, listening only, yeah. I'm yeah. back up straight. There we go. So, as I said, my favourite sector is that middle, yeah. that middle range, that middle price range sector. And the, and the upper part of that, before you go into the expensive real estate, but the better suburbs. Mm. I've found I've gotten my best margins in there, uh, my best you know, property development margins, you know, profit as a percentage of cost in, in that space. And just reflecting back to what we mentioned at the beginning, where uh, we've got two mentoring students right now who have just within the last two weeks both purchased they've both purchased in that spot is that because that's what you teach them but I mean the deals are stacking up there too Mm, mm, mm. so yeah that's exactly right so it's it's an area where the sale prices and it's all about that that they can absorb the build cost uh, which in in something like uh, a townhouse development in a capital city let's say a four townhouse development in capital city it's not unusual for the land value and your construction value to equal about 80% of all your costs. Mm-hmm. So all those other costs, you know, things like uh, consultants fees, council fees, marketing, finance, they only all add up to about 80% of your costs. Mm. With the land and the construction being about 80%. So very important. So when you get into these upper part of the middle of the market, it can absorb the build cost, which is a big chunk. It might That build cost could be you know, 40, 45%, depending on the market, of, of all your costs. So it's very significant. And uh, while we said earlier, the low valued areas crash because of that bill cost. Well, here, uh, we can absorb that bill cost mm. and more easily absorb it in the top half of that middle of the market. And that leaves us enough margin then to cover all our costs. And of course, what we sell it for, less what it costs us is our profit. Mm. And we might be looking for, you know, 20% or whatever margin that we're looking for. It's going to work better there. 
So, Bob, I'm going to ask the $65,000 question that we get asked most days. Do I get $65,000 if I answer it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, because I can answer it. Fire away. I I can actually answer this. I've got got time for two or three questions. (laughs) I'm just saying this because, you know, so it it gives you... um, I like to ask the questions that I know that a lot of people are thinking, which would be, well, where are these sites at the moment, Bob? You know, that is what we're hearing a lot. Where are they? And I th- that's why we're pointing out that, mm. you know, with our very limited number that we choose to work with, with mentoring, mm. uh, we've had two that have had that in the last two weeks. So yep. that's that's a very good sign. They're, they're in that upper part of the middle of the market. So what did they do, Bob? In, in two different yep. states. Oh, yeah, Queensland and Victoria. Yep. Yeah, not just here. We're working with people all over. So well, we... They've worked out where those areas are. And look, you can do it off a, off house values, let's say. Let's keep it simple. Obviously, like the, the average house value in Sydney is quite different from Brisbane. It's different from Melbourne and Perth and everywhere else. But if you look at, uh, let's just work off house values, even if you're going to develop townhouses, you know. So have a look at the mean value of a house in, in a city. I'll take Brisbane. It's a sort of an average size city. You know, it's not big like Sydney and Melbourne, but it's not small like some others. Have a look at the average price of a house, if you like, in in uh, in Brisbane, and it'll have a dollar value. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the mean. So we'd be talking about something over that. We'd be talking something that might be in the range of, you know, twenty five percent above that. So if that, I'll, I'll just pluck a figure out of nowhere. Let's just say. It was eight hundred thousand dollars. We'd be looking at something around a million to one point one, where, where houses are there. Let's just say that sort of an area. Same with townhouses. You can do it with townhouses. You know, if you look at what's the mean value of new townhouses, uh, and and it, you know, it, it could be in well, some places it could be you know a million or eight hundred or one point one. And so, okay, let's add twenty five percent on that, and let's see where townhouses sell for that. You know, that 25, even 30% more. So so we're going above average. And that's what they are. They're above average right. values. There you and go. And so once we know the average values, we can we can load a, a weighting on top of that. And then we can have a look at, okay, now, what, what suburbs, let's say the number was 1.2 for a townhouse. What suburbs have townhouses at 1.2 million? Because that might be the upper part of the middle of the market for somewhere. And so we have a look at those areas. And then we, ha- we start digging a bit deeper mm. uh, down to suburban level. And we start looking at supply and demand. Uh, we, you know, and, and, and do all, all our normal filters that we do. But at least we're starting in an area that works. Because some people start in an area that doesn't work. And they could spend three, four, five months building themselves, mm. trying to find the elusive deal that works that is never going to work there. Mm. They've just chosen the wrong area. Uh, and often based on that. The other you know what that does? It just erodes self-confidence because every yeah. time you get a no, you get an... And in and, and property development, you are going to get a lot of no's and that's okay mm. because that's it's not for the faint-hearted. No, no. But you do need to... When you're getting all of those no's, eventually they start taking its toll on your subconscious. It starts telling you that, oh, there aren't any sites, and you know you get all the negative Nancys or the negative mm. Nigels. Mm. Really, start, it starts playing on your mind, and you start believing that it's true. And I think what we also ultimately want you to know is that it's not true. There are sites everywhere right now. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's back to the product that you're going to develop. Are you going to do little subdivisions of? two or three lots and then build houses on them? 
Or are you going to do, let's say, townhouses, or are you going to do a, a duplex? Mm. You know, it's good to know your product as well, uh, so that you've got a direct comparison. You know, if you're doing an upmarket duplex, okay, let's find in areas where upmarket duplexes sell for 1.6 mil or whatever it happens to be, you know, and then narrow that down again. Mm. Like I said, do all your normal fillers, supply and demand, have a look at, you know, what parts, down to suburban level, we've got to drill down to suburban level as developers. Mm. We can't just you know, work on city values. And, and then you'll find you'll start to get margins. We're still going through a bit of a phase at the moment uh, where we're often in competition with houses. So mm. as a development site, let's say, let's say you're looking at doing a townhouse development. Two years ago, perhaps, there might have been a lot of areas where the development site value or the value as a house were about equal. You know, it didn't really matter. You could buy, let's say, I'll pick and buy $800,000 again. Let's say there's an area a couple of years ago where you could buy a house, you could buy this particular site. Let's say it was an 800-metre site that you could do four townhouses on. Uh, now, you could buy it for $800,000 as a four-townhouse site and it would stack up, or you could buy it as a house for $800,000. Well, during the last, particularly last year, the value of houses went up a lot. The value of townhouses never went up as much as houses or apartments never went up. It was really house values that skyrocketed. And as a result, that same site now, it might be worth a bit more than 800 as a townhouse site. It might be worth, say, 900, but it could be worth 1.1 or 1.2 as a house. Mm. And so no longer does that work as a development site because they, the owner could just sell it for 1.2 to a home buyer. Mm. And so they're not going to sell it to you for 900000 mm. as a developer. And so we've got this bit of an aberration. It, 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 it will adjust. Mm. I was just going to ask that because what that's done, it's driven up rent prices. It's done a lot of things. Mm. So eventually, because of the rent increase, it, it, like you the said before, it drags itself up. Finding their value, yeah. Yeah, so how long generally in your experience, Bob, does it take for things like townhouses and, uh, or have you ever been through this before? Maybe not yeah, this extreme. Yeah, not, well, I've been through most things. See, that was, what caused that was not the market. It, it, that whole thing was caused, a lot of it was caused by government incentives mm. uh, coming out of COVID. And, and the government knows what a huge sector property is. There's so many spin-offs. It's not just property itself. It's everything that's spun off property, mm. you know. Including the taxes that they charge. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so because of the grants, because of the, the incentives that were set up, it really favoured housing and mm. housing construction. Mm. It didn't, because of the long lead times on getting approvals on townhouses, the lead times on building them, mm. compared to, you can get an approval on a house in one day. Right. You can get a private certifier. You have a set of plans and drop them into a private certifier, you can have your building permit in a day. You can't do that with, yeah. with townhouses. And development permit, one house on a block of land, you don't need a development permit, but you do. So, so because of that, the tight timeframes that the government set on, on those, you know, the grants and so forth, it only really worked for houses. So as a result, all the building construction went to houses, all the, and, and, and houses were what went up in value mm. a lot. So what will, Townhouses didn't get a lot of value out of that. How long until, in your experience, you know? Well, it's, what I'm saying, it, was, it wasn't driven by market yeah, forces. Yeah. It, it was driven by external forces. And when that happens, it takes longer to right. reach, reach equilibrium right. than if a market does stuff. Does it itself? Okay. Yeah, because that, that was just a complete aberration of the market. Mm. I remember the first time we talked a lot about of FOMO that. and all that. Eh? Oh, crikey, yes. 
Well, I remember the first time we talked about that, we were down walking the, to the, uh, walking at the beach, and you explained that to me, and I was like, wow, that does make so much sense. But then I think what I didn't realise is that it takes longer to come back because it wasn't a natural progression. Mm. It was, well, it wasn't a natural thing happening happening in the economy. It was actually, um, it had been adjusted. Yeah. Been, and we've seen some adjustments upward in townhouse and, and apartment pricing as well. Yeah. You know, making a bit of a recovery. But when it reaches equilibrium would be at a point where let's just choose right down to a suburb mm-hmm. or, or, or even even less than a suburb, uh, you know, a number of streets, let's say. And you could have a new three-bedroom house mm-hmm. has a particular value and a new three-bedroom townhouse has a particular value. And there'd be some differential between the two. I mean, one would be on a, the townhouse would be part of some more townhouses. It would be on a, a small parcel of land. It would probably have a you know, body corporate. The house might be sitting on slightly bigger land. Uh, it wouldn't have the body corporate and so forth. So there'd be this price difference, generally speaking, uh, where the houses were always worth a bit more than the, than the townhouse. Brand new property, three bed, yeah, com- comparative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when it's in equilibrium. Right. Uh, but, you know, it got out of whack and, and it'll, it'll, it'll adjust. So I guess what I'm getting back to is that that's another consideration when we're talking about where and we've chosen those areas in the upper part and the middle. Uh, it still has to work. So, so if it's something like townhouses, you're really looking for the worst house in that area. Mm. Um, either the worst house in that area that you can demolish or a good house where you can build in the backyard. And in a lot of cases, because of the house values going up so much, it's tended to uh, move in the direction of being able to keep the house on the site. Mm. Because quite often, it, let's, let's say you had a, a house on 700 metres uh, and uh, you can actually get into the backyard and build another two, two townhouses. If you can keep that house, it's often not worth much less on the small lot mm. than it is on the full lot. Um, what it was worth on 700 metres and now what it's going to be worth on, say, 250 metres is not a big a big gap. Mm. And so basically you're paying not a lot of land for the backyard, but you're building two new townhouses. As opposed to demolishing the house and starting from scratch, you probably find in a lot of cases that's that doesn't work as well. And so if you're going to demolish and build, you, know, you want the crappiest house in, the, in, t- in town. Uh, or if it's a better house, you need to get in the backyard. But it could be just that its value as a house is just outstrips its value as a site. Mm. And uh, if that's the case, that's the case, yeah. Um, Do I think, Bob, in summary, time to one, unless you've got more you want to add to this, no. I think we always talk about property being a numbers game. And I say this so often to my personal clients, it's a numbers game as in they have to stack up. Mm. And it's a numbers game, as in the amount you're going to have to go through to find one that works. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's luck, timing, and numbers. Yeah, you can you can do a fair bit to save time wasting, like oh, cho- yes. choosing those areas. Yeah, I think true. once you've chosen those areas yeah. and you start digging deep in that suburb or whatever it is, mm. uh, then you'll quickly work out uh, what's the best way to go. And it might be on a townhouse site, not actually building townhouses. It might be simply subdividing into a small lot and building houses mm. because houses are what went up. And we've seen that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so highest and best use, always back to that. Always back to that. Okay, people, I hope you found that episode interesting today, where to find development sites that stack up. Uh, we will look forward to catching up with you again next week. That is episode 58. 
Catch you next time. Bye now.